Welcome back to another episode of Over Underrated. It is your co-host Fran and today we are chatting with our guest Paula Wiseman from the Divine Comedians podcast and we've decided to talk about Blue-Eyed Soul I believe. Well, Rod Stewart and Robert Palmer. Paula made a playlist for the five songs she thinks are going to persuade you to think that Robert Palmer is underrated and I chose five songs to uh, discuss if Rod Stewart is overrated. So, let's chat. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? (laughs) Was it over-underrated? Over-underrated. Sous-évalué. It's another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. Fran, how are we doing today? I'm enjoying another hot, humid day in the UK. But how are you uh, doing, I'm Babs? good. I'm just back from a wonderful holiday and wedding in, in Canada. So that's that's the high. The low is that uh, my computer decided to pack in after a mere Uh-oh. two years. Literally the second I came back from holiday and started to work again. So I am on a borrowed laptop. Thank you, Catherine. But uh, thankfully, there is good music there um, is. on the way. Um, so what I've been listening to this week, I have become obsessed with the Yellow Jackets theme tune. Uh, have you watched Yellow Jackets yet? No, uh, he told me to watch it. And watch it. As watch soon it. as I can stand being back in my lounge for a long period of time, I will catch up with all the TV I've missed. But, it's, it it's is... pa- but in the UK, it's Paramount Plus, so I might have to, you know, get some sneaky uh, vi- videos of it from somewhere I will else. not tell you how I found it. <laughs> 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 because I'm not sure where it is in Belgium uh but uh but yeah I've been listening to that and I've been really really enjoying the new song by Loyal Karna Hate uh it has some really slick production and, and very good beats it sounds quite different to his old stuff I think which is a bit kind of more mellow this mm-hmm. has a bit of an edge to it I, I don't know if you've heard it but it's very good I have not heard about it at all so we heard about the Mercury Prize nominations didn't we we did, and so many artists that we like uh, are nominated, right, Fran? Yes, we have our fingers on the button, guys. Even at the age of uh, in the late uh, mid thirties and early forties, we got it. And uh, as yeah, so I knew eleven of the twelve. I'd heard of eleven of the twelve. Fran, you said you knew eight. That's not that's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not Come bad. on. Um, but yeah, so Nova Twins, Self Esteem, Wet Leg, and Little Sims are all nominated, and they were all artists that we talk about in our best of twenty twenty, yeah. best of twenty. You've heard it here first, obviously, guys. Indeed. Obviously. <laughs> But yeah, have you been listening to any other music apart from uh, Mercury Prize nominees, Fran? So I went to a festival, Truck Fest in Oxford. Nothing to do with cars or anything <laughs> to do with lorries or transport. It is a uh, an indie rock uh, music festival. And I discovered a band called The Magic Gang, who I've kind of already always heard the name of, but never really dived in. And I should have because they're based in Dorset. So being from Dorset, I should kind of give them a, ch- a try. And mm. yeah, they kind of blew me away. I was like, oh, wow, why have I not bothered with this band before? What kind of music is it? Because it sounds, I'd say, psychedelic-y. From well, the I, I guess the magic band was Captain Beefheart's um, mm. back. So I guess they maybe started from there. But it, you would call it university indie. Is, is that a genre? <laughs> Like Alt J, not one I'd heard of before, but uh, you know, okay, like, so like Glass Animals, Bombay Bicycle Club, you know. Okay, the kids who stayed at home and, and researched their A levels, <laughs> it's got that sort of vibe. No eyeliner, 
not sexy, but that's a lot of good good rhythms, guys. Okay. So it could go either way for me, I think. And from that description. And free vocalists. I'm I'm a fan of fan mm. of free vocalists, like, a bit like Gomez, etc. So mm. yeah, so I yeah, I was I was blown away. And I got to see Gasabian, Sans Tom, and, and it was brilliant. Yes. Glad to hear it. Yeah, Glad to hear Kasabian, it. Serge was a good front man. Yep. Kasabian has still got it, even about Tom. Great. You heard it here first, but <laughs> we are not alone, are we, Fran? In we are not alone. Today. We have a guest because we love a guest. And today we have the host of the Divine Comedians podcast, Paula Wiseman. Hello, Paula. Hi, Fran. How are you? Still hot. How, how are you in Ireland today? I am. I'm in Dublin. I'm in North Dublin. It's not, uh, it's a bit overcast. It's, it's semi warm. It's about 17 degrees, which is, is about uh, manageable. It's for doable. Us. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's not, it's not too bad in the grand scheme of things. How long have you been based in Dublin? Uh, 20 years in November. Goodness. So, wow. yeah, it's a long old time, but it's it's so easy now to... I'm from Sussex originally, and mm-hmm. I can, you know, flying backwards and forwards is so easy now. It's an hour an hour each way, so it's very what, handy. What, what, was there any, any reason for you to travel to Ireland in the first place? Or was it music or work or...? <laughs> I don't know. There was probably a boy involved. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish accent is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. oh it really is. You know. I was going to ask, like, you don't seem to have an Irish tinge in your accent. You've remained solidly English. You've, you've not oh, let no. me get to you. No, I go home and top it up quite regularly. <laughs> <laughs> there you was a... people, say, people say, oh, you haven't lost your accent. And you're like, well, how would I lose? How could you lose an accent? Oh, trust me. Well, OK, so I'm I'm of Portuguese origin. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I sound British, but the second I go somewhere else, so I've just been in Canada for a week and a half. I started saying pants. I started softening my A's because it's, it's also kind of a question of being understood as well sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, to, for me, it happens very quickly. It's quite scary. <laughs> I saw a, an Irish band, probably from Dublin, called Inhaler. Paul, did you know them? Yeah, I think isn't that the son of Bono? Yeah. Bono's son is the lead singer. <laughs> I feel so sorry for him because he's never going to not be called the son of Bono, is he? No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and the fact that he's wearing a white vest with a kind of nineteen eighties Bono mullet didn't help his cause even. To be fair, I've heard I've heard of them, but what what's their music like? Uh it's indie rock. I think that they've got the look, the sound, but they still need some songs. They've got maybe four decent songs. So, yeah. But, I mean, he, he even sounds a bit like Bono. He's got that, the same sort of, like, yoke to him. <laughs> well, you know, Coco Somna sounds like Sting, and that I quite like some of her songs. So, you know, that's not always a bad thing. No, and, you know, he's brave. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not going to make as much money as his dad ever did in music, so <laughs> good luck to him. <laughs> But um, moving away from Ireland, back to Britain, uh, what's our theme today, Fran? Well, we're doing Blue-Eyed Soul, I believe we've decided. Brit- well, uh, British, British Blue-Eyed Soul. British Blue-Eyed Soul. We have, uh, as possibly overrated, Mr. Sorry, Sir Rod Stewart. And as possibly underrated, we have Robert Palmer, which is Paula's pick. But first, we will discuss Mr. Stewart. So, Babs. Tell me everything you know about what to do in, in two minutes. Uh, oh, fuck. Bloody hell. Yeah, I've I've written, I always forget that he's Scottish. I had completely forgotten about his daughter, Kimberly Stewart, who was quite a fixture in the kind of 
uh, Naughty's tabloids. And I went down a real Wikipedia rabbit hole yesterday because she has a kid with Benicio Del Toro. Mm. Her brother, Sean Stewart, got arrested and but had um, a reality TV show with Aaron Spanning's son anyway. So nothing to do with Rod Stewart, but I got very distracted as per. I feel like I saw him most recently in the carpool karaoke he did with ASAP Rocky and, and James Gordon, obviously, because ASAP Rocky sampled um, a broken dream in his song every day. Apart from that, he's not someone I really think about or have particularly strong feelings about. Like, I felt coming in that he was one of those, like, yeah, I'm a sexy dude kind of people, a bit like Elvis, a bit like Jim Morrison, where you didn't have that many men being so open about their sexuality back in the day. I knew he was in the band called The Faces, but didn't really know when it was just Rod Stewart, when it was just The Faces. I enjoyed one or two of the hits and always wondered whether there was more than met the eye. But uh, but yeah, that's about it. Well, Stuart, more than meets the eye. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if it's too, too young for Transformers, I do apologise for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Paula, Ross Stuart. Mm. Any any thoughts before we get into it? Have you seen him live? Have you owned any Ross Stewart songs? No, I haven't. But I think he's just one of those, you know, he's just one of those guys that everybody knows. You know, you mm-hmm. say Rod Stewart, every every single person knows. Bit of leopard print, you know, you think of Rod Stewart and his, and his kind of mullety hair going yep. on. And that kind oh, of stuff. I read today, it only takes him two minutes to get his hair. It's, it's all hair drawing and wax panning, so... I thought it'd be a lot longer, to be fair. I, he should be doing TikToks of mm, his uh, mm, hair and skin routine because mm. he's doing really well, and I'm sure that people would listen. <laughs> and ha- yeah, and I mean, the fact that he can still fit into those tights and skinny trousers is pretty good going for a guy in his mid seventies. Yeah, but yeah. Would you want to look? Would you want to look at that? You know. Uh, well, I have looked at that with my own eyes. <laughs> I believe it. I believe I, it. I saw him at the Isle of Wight Festival, twenty seventeen. Mm. And it was interesting because obviously he's a man in his retirement years and he kept leaving the stage after every two songs. It's either either downing some water or having some air. It was quite weird. (laughs) So I've not seen that before. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, Watch Jets, the sort of person he's just been in the charts since I was born. I guess in the UK, he kind of became like the the mum's choice. Hmm. I, I didn't really know about the, like the mod call what to do it until a later date. So I guess in some way it'd be a bit like Liam McGallagher and then ending up doing disco and pop records and ballads because you know the faces were one of the coolest bands of the 60s. And you know, at one point in the 70s, he was a solo artist and in the faces at the same time until like he went he became too big basically and had to, you know, and had to leave the UK for tax reasons and move to America and that became the end of the faces. Is that why? That's literally why, yeah. Because uh, I'm mean, the think, other one leaving for tax reasons. I think he's saying yeah. he, he was getting 80, 80% tax. So uh, the faces of the tour of America and he stayed <laughs> and that's the end of the faces basically. <laughs> so yeah, so that, yeah, the first three albums he did um, at the same time as being um, with the faces. I think he signed a solo deal um, before the faces asked him to be the singer and he couldn't get out of it. So he just thought he'd just do both. And most of the time it, it's kind of blurred lines because um, like Ronnie Wood would play and all his solo stuff and on the faces and on top of the pops, the faces would be his backing band. So it was a bit weird. Yeah, I was hoping you could tease this mm. up for me because I was very confused when it's the faces mm. when it's not. So yeah, I hope can clarify on each song i think some of the faces got a bit pissed off in because like some promoters would call a tour was Stuart and the faces even though i believe, I believe it's the basis for ronnie lang's band so that wasn't great for them but, um, he, but he's bigger isn't he so oh yeah understandable um, but yeah so why did you pick rod stewart fran i'm i'm curious to so well paula wanted to do uh mr palmer and mm-hmm. i thought rod stewart also similar he's in the soul 
blues from the 70s 80s a lot of ladies enjoy enjoy the looks um ladies enjoy rod stewart sort of uh, ladies love pretty, DJ, yeah. uh, looking back pretty awful videos of both of them and album <laughs> covers like i think one of robert's album covers is just to get with her ass out for some bizarre reason <laughs> i did like, i did look this up you're gonna have to go uh yeah press a drop check check out that cover okay yeah i don't think pound and Nutini will be doing it on this next album um <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, and I thought, okay, I mean, the songs I chose on the playlist, I chose a mix of like the critics' choice, the mod era, like the early 70s albums, and then I chose like the disco era and like the, you know, the MOR 90s era, Rod Stewart, to a t- kind of like, you know, show a rainbow of Rod, if that's the thing. <laughs> that sounds like a threat. <laughs> Or like a bad sexual position. <laughs> I mean, it, it, an LGBTQ plus. I mean, <laughs> sexual position. I'm sure Rod's done it. He's, he's probably done most sexual positions. To be fair, <laughs> rainbow of Rod. The rainbow wow. Rod. Already, there's so much that I can pick up for the social media uh, videos. Thank you, Fran. Speaking for, of speaking of, of uh, creepiness, this first single was called "Good Morning Little Schoolgirl." Oh. Love but that, stuff. but that was actually a muddy waters cover, so you can't really complete the title. <laughs> but you know, in the sixties, that seemed to be the thing, didn't it? Oh it, yeah, it was cool to sing about schoolgirls. Yeah, <laughs> holy moly! So yeah, um, so we get down to the playlist. Let's do it. Overrated. I'll do first. I'll do Maggie May because you know, to many people, that's his biggest hit. And it's also the song that broke him in America, but I believe it was a number one hit in the UK and the USA. Um, it had a mandolin, and records say it's the uh, the highest selling song of a mandolin of all time. So take that, REM. Great uh, fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, a, like, like I said, you know, this was when he was uh, dancing between the faces and, and, and solo. It was actually a B-side of an, an American DJ uh, flipped over. Which you've heard before a few times in the past, like with, mm-hmm. with uh, Ice Ice Baby was a B side. And then, well, there we go. And it's about him losing his virginity, which he did near me in Bewley in the New Forest. Oh, I thought it was a jazz festival. Yeah, in Bewley in the New Forest. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I thought Montreux or somewhere else. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Bewley. He was, he was 16 to a much older lady, and apparently, he only lasted a few seconds. Um, <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. That's jazz, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Speak for yourself, Ron. Sorry. I was going to say, the rainbow of Rod did not work this time. <laughs> this song, it, it flows. As soon as it starts, you're into it. It's, 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 it's always been there for me. I think Blur did a good cover in the 90s. Check it out, guys. And yeah, at a festival when everyone's singing it and putting their arms around each other, it's quite a beautiful moment. Babs, what do you feel about Maggie May? So I don't think I'd ever listen to this song all the way through because it starts with this kind of acoustic guitar and these, mm-hmm. I've put medieval instruments. It reminds me a little bit of um, the beginning of Battle of Evermore by Led Zeppelin as well. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't stay that way. I've put that it's rock keyboard and insipid blues. You can't deny that, oh, Maggie, I couldn't mm-hmm. have tried. That, that, that gets stuck in your head. And I don't mind the mandolin, but I think it's a little bit above average song. And yet, facts. Rolling Stone ranked the song number 130 on its list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Dun, dun. And the album it comes from, Every Picture Tells a Story, uh, was ranked 172 by Rolling Stone again in, in the 2003 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. So I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> how? It's a uh, bit crazy how it was such a massive hit, really. 
Like, but again, I, I feel like this is this is the thing with a lot of the bands that we discussed. It's so big, but in America, I mm. think, like more than in other places. And then it just kind of obviously dominates the, the pop culture landscape because I, I can believe it was big elsewhere as well. But because Americans do like this kind of rock, then then, yeah, it, it gets very popular. And Paula, what's your thoughts on Maggie? Yeah, it's, it's one of those songs, isn't it? You hit you literally there's not that many songs that you can hear the first couple of notes of it and know immediately. Mm-hmm. The song is. I'm not. I'm not trying to big rod up in any way or form. Like, say, big rod. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like when you get songs that you can like this all this thing with hurdle at the moment that you're you know you're hearing the first couple of notes of a song to identify it, and it's definitely up you know up there with with the greats that you'd you'd uh, you'd know immediately. The seventies greats. Yeah, uh, exactly. Speak, well, I, I'll move on to uh, to Gasoline Alley, which is. Off his first album, I believe, um, or second album in 1970. Uh, this was written by uh, Ronnie and himself, so basically the faces again. It's got more more mandolin for you, mandolin fans. Um, it's got like it's got slide guitars, twiddling the lights around. It's got like this classic uh, guitar solo, which all of his fans adore. And it's later covered by Elsie Brooks, who I, I believe worked with Robert Palmer and Katie Mellower. And yeah, there's like. The hardcore Rod Stewart fans on the internet seem to adore this track, so I thought I'd pop it on. I thought it was a bit, bit average, a bit middle of the road. It, it feels like it, it could have a, a bigger cause or something, but it's pleasant, but I wouldn't exactly call it brilliant babs so i've written we've discussed british men ripping off black american blues musicians quite a few times and nothing Mm -hmm. seems more like that than a song called gasoline alley (laughs) uh because i mean the lyrics even says i realized maybe i was wrong to leave better swallow up my silly country pride going home running home down to gasoline alley where i started from i don't think so rod i think you were in scotland there mate but having said that i didn't mind this too much despite you know blues not really being my my wheelhouse i feel like the musicianship is strong I like the mix of all the guitars I like how it quietens down towards the end as well like there's a there's a real kind of journey mm. I could have done without Rod's voice though I Ooh. think this would have worked well as an instrumental <laughs> despite him having a, a very distinctive voice obviously you know the gravelly tones of uh of Rod Stewart but uh but yeah I enjoyed this more than I would have thought the moment I saw the title <laughs> so you're a fan of the wood but not Stewart absolutely <laughs> pick up the wood Paula <laughs> what's your thoughts yeah, I I wasn't familiar with the song at all, uh, which is, you know, I suppose that the way with Rod, you know, you know, like, you know, a lot more songs than you think you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that one, yeah, I've never heard it. Well, his his first two solo albums are flops. Didn't do basically. Much of them, to be honest. So, so yeah, it's only his third album, which um, Bad Minutes and Minute Gay, was his first success. Yeah, he it, yeah, his first two albums did nothing at all, really, especially in the UK. So like, I guess these are the the the, the fatest fans of it, any people 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 kind of buying his his early, early work. Um, I guess it's, um, you know when he moved on to Mad, to um, Maggie May and the next song I will talk about, which is You Wear Well. It's when he found the stride and I guess the classic Rod sound. But um, yeah, with You Wear Well, it's basically for me Maggie May Part Two. But instead of a mandolin, they've got a violin. Um, it's like you know the fo- the folky soul sound. Uh, but um, is this the first song that mentions negging? <laughs> because he says, you know, you are well in an old, uh, but with an old fashioned sort of look, you know, like, oh yeah, but for you, for you, it's the right. Uh, so, are, are you negging? Sure it's not. Oh, it. <laughs> <He's> negging. <laughs> I don't know if he's the first person to ever do negging in a rock song, but maybe. But um, yeah, it's fine. But like, it is basically like Maggie May, just you know, just 
rewritten, isn't it? Really. Um, Babs, did you know the song? I didn't know this song. So yeah, the uh, the only one I knew is Maggie May and the mm-hmm. big one that you've put uh, towards the end. Mm-hmm. I thought this song was bang average and that the violin doesn't add anything and that the lyrics don't match the song, actually. <laughs> like when, when you go and look at it, you're like, oh, this is, this is quite jaunty uh, for, for what the lyrics are about because it is yeah, quite tongue in cheek. And there's, there's a fade out at the end, which is a little bit strange and there's some kind of weird, weird keyboard notes. Mm-hmm. And again, it, I think that would have made the song more interesting, but then it it just fades it just fades out so yeah really really strange one for me i thought um potential there but wasted in my opinion Paula, did you know which one this is kind of a hit in the uk yeah yeah no it was a big song i'm, I'm quite a fan of the violins if i'm honest but uh, i'm a big fan of violence to be in the minority as always <laughs> um a bit of violins you know improves everything in my book <laughs> so yes um so yeah so uh, moving on to uh so I do the rhythm of the night next, which yeah. I guess is the latest one I have. Um, so yeah, I mean, although he is technically Scottish, he lived in London all his life and has a very English accent. So he, I don't think he's ever actually lived in Scotland at all. I believe his dad is Scottish. But yeah, so this is the rhythm of the night, which has a, a Celtic feel, I believe it's um, a rewritten version of Loch Lomond, a Scottish folk song. But what I did notice is that it's produced by Trevor Horn who a couple of years earlier no. had done Belfast Child, which is which is a very similar vibe of having a, an Irish folk song with an Irish melody rewritten. So like, hang on, Trevor, are you doing the same thing as before? Yeah, it does to me, it, I can just think of like you know, Celtic people singing in a pub or spilling beer to this. Um, and it's not really for me, but it seems to be an enormous fucking hit everywhere else. <laughs> Did he feel this? Well, see, I, I didn't even pick up on the on the Celtic thing. I wrote this. This sounds like a Bruce Springsteen parody with extra synths. Uh, I find it really <laughs> strange that this is from 1991 because it feels like a pure 80s song. I'm like, Rod, were you a little bit late there <laughs> in getting this involved? And uh, the chorus is horrendous. And um, looking at the lyrics, it really reminded me, Fran, of kind of Bon Jovi kind of trying to be the working man because he talks about photographs, kerosene. I can still feel the touch of your thin blue jeans running down the alley obsessed with that is this man i've got my <laughs> eyes all over you baby oh baby like, oh just it really i really this was my least favorite by a while i i did not enjoy this at all and i and didn't know it actually oh, okay. I, I know you said it was a big hit but i knew to me paula did you know the song yeah i know I, yeah i know that song very very well um you know it's a it's, a, it's one of them lighter mm, songs you mm. know where for the, for the chorus everyone's there i can know, believe that <laughs> Do you hear it in, in any Dublin pubs? Was I correct? No, to... no, no. I don't hear a lot of Rod in Dublin pubs, fortunately. Oh, interesting. I thought, well, because sometimes the Scots and the, the Irish kind of, you know, are hand in hand. Obviously, Rod Stewart's a big Celtic fan, isn't he? So I thought maybe there'd be a link there, but oh, interesting. No, what... it's mostly uh, you, you two and Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh, wow. I... Ed Sheeran, wow, okay. Do you like Ed? Are they not pissed off with his fake Irish stuff? Well, the irony of it was he was discovered busking on Grafton Street in Dublin. Oh, really? Is where, oh, he wow. was, where he was kind of first discovered. Is that where the guy from Once was also busking? Yes. Yeah, same, oh, okay. same place. Not necessarily the same spot on the street, but... The only other note I had about Rod Stewart that I didn't mention and up the top is that his music career be- began in 1962 when he took up busking with the harmonica. So look how mm. far he's come. He went around Europe and he was like sleeping under like uh, powers and the uh, bridges. And uh, yeah, he, wow. he, he was almost going to be a professional footballer. Um, and then he decided that music was for him, but, and he still 
talks about football constantly. I think he's got a, a four-size football pit in the back garden. So he's the elder search from Kasabian to go yeah, and yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. I, I read a quote where he was like, well, with football, you can't be drunk and hungover. With music, you can. And that's why I chose music, <laughs> because you had to be less disciplined. <laughs> Um, but I was I watched a documentary as per usual. Of course you did. And yep. he and he referred to football as soccer. And I felt uh, I felt I felt, come on, Rod, you, you you're better than that. You know, you're better no, than but that. I, but you have to you know, again, this this is what I'm saying. You move to, to North America, this is mm. what happens. Like I was watching uh because I'm obsessed with the yellow jackets, I watched a 45 minute cast interview uh with the with them yesterday. And the English the one of the actresses is English referred to it as soccer as well. And I'm like, yeah, you, you have to. To the last track and is this, I wonder, is this still like his most popular song around the world? When you think of Rod, do you think of this? Yes, for me, yeah. for me yes. Yeah. It's a wedding disco. And it's Do You Think I'm Sexy from 1978. It's Disco Rod. During the documentary, he said that his biggest mistake in his life was recording a song. Really? He said, if you could, yeah, they asked me any regrets. And he goes, yeah, recording, do you think I'm sexy? And Ronnie Wood said that he would have never, ever, he would have, if he was with him, he would have told him, do not do the song. Why? But, and for a long time, he didn't play it, but he now plays it because he knows it sounds like it. Because he's, he's, he wants to be a rock star and he felt embarrassed by doing a disco track. But he says, he says the reason why he recorded it was because the Stones did miss you which was kind of a bit disco-y and he enjoyed it, but he felt he, felt he went far too far down the disco route and added too many keyboards and it wasn't him. Apparently, um, he almost got sued because that, that keyboard melody he stole from a, a, a Brazilian uh, guy called Georges Ben. So yeah, he had, he had to donate some money to UNICEF for taking it <laughs> randomly. That's um, a first choice. Yeah, I think it's one of those sort of songs that you know the chorus, but I've probably not heard the whole song for a long time and I was like oh this is an interesting middle section from the sax and the sort of drum breakdown I've completely forgot about that it's uh, a track that I think people might might ironically dance to I'm gonna be more more Ooh. kind to this song yeah so you you put on the album version from the album Blondes Have More Fun can we just say by the way he has some great album titles Never A Dull Moment uh what is it every picture tells a story there's there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek there which i mm-hmm. which i appreciated uh but this version is five minutes 32 and i was like i swear to god all i listen to <laughs> is the chorus because like you i was like i've never heard this bridge before i've never heard this instrumental breakdown with the horns i hadn't mm. realized that the verses were in a different key from from the chorus i think i think everything comes together there's a, you know cheeky rhythm guitar synth bass keyboards and synth strings I like it it might be a bit naff, but I, I really enjoy it. And reading the lyrics, it's actually quite interesting because I'm not gonna go as far as to call Rod Stewart a feminist icon by any means, but actually the song is about he's unsure about how the woman feels mm. and he he wants her to tell him that she's sex, you know, because he's saying like he's acting shy, looking for an answer come on honey let's spend the night together but hold on a minute before we go much further his heart's beating like a drum and I was like oh okay I really thought this song was like eh, I'm sexy baby and I was like oh okay it's it's a little bit more than that so actually this made me totally reappreciate the song yeah you do feel for Rod because he keeps saying it's not about me it's not about me it's not about me but <laughs> I think that if you're if the album if the single cover is you lying across a bed with do you think I'm sexy it's not going to have your cause to be fair but that's it it's like out of context <laughs> do you think I'm sexy sounds yeah. like yeah do you think I'm sexy but in the context of the lyrics it's <laughs> that, like yeah, yeah. do you think I'm sexy like can we please get it on 
despite not having the right, you know, breakfast yeah. material. So maybe another artist should take it on and, and try and give it a, a different chest, maybe. Have there been any covers for you to do? Probably, that? I don't know if there's any decent ones. Paula, do you think I'm sexy? I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I said that. <laughs> this is the problem. Demonstrating the problem. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, podcast listeners, I'm wearing uh, a football top and <laughs> no lingerie or anything. <laughs> <laughs> that we can see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's all a bit sleazy, isn't it? He seems a bit mm. insecure, you know. Yeah. He, he has to keep asking, do you think I'm sexy? Like, <laughs> what? why do you have to keep asking me? I mean, you know. <laughs> Listen, Paula, consent is good. I, I'm like, this oh, is true. a song. This is a song from the 70s that's asking someone's opinion. I'm like, okay, th- you know, <laughs> that's different from a lot of songs we've discussed on here from that era. Yeah, but it's just a bang of insecurity off it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If, you, if the guy has to keep saying to you, do you think I'm sexy? You're like, uh-huh. look, just, just deal with it. <laughs> would, would you dance if it came on in the, in the club or a pub? It's one of those songs, isn't it? If you're at a wedding, um, and the DJ's like, right, I need to get people up and dancing. That's mm-hmm. that on. All the dads are up doing their doing their yeah. dad moves. All the grannies are dancing around the handbags. Uh, what's Stuart then? Thoughts, um, Babs. Uh, did he did he learn anything? He, or did, yeah, did he I, d- I definitely did. Like, well, I, I learned that there are, <laughs> there are more parts to his songs than I realised because mm-hmm. yeah, with both Maggie May and Do You Think I'm Sexy, which were the two songs that I knew from the playlist, I'm like, oh, this has whole sections that I didn't realise. And yeah, I've definitely tried to go into other Rod Stewart's songs. You know, I, I know sailing, I know mm-hmm. handbags and glad rags, in part because of the Stereophonics mm-hmm. cover, right? And I, I did think, you know, I mentioned that ASAP Rocky song. That was a really good use of the sample there. So yeah, I guess I knew about his time in the faces. I knew he had this kind of bluesy side. I'm now more intrigued after hearing Gasoline Alley, I have to say, but I think just seeing those Rolling Stone stats for Maggie May on like, oh, best song, best song. I'm like, what? No. Like it's it's decent, <laughs> but it's not that good. So I think based based on this playlist, overrated definitely. But I think that there must be more to dig into with Rod. I mean, I don't know how many um, studio albums he had, but uh, he's been going for so long in, in, I think, well, all the decades apart from this one, maybe. So there must be there must be a good five ten track playlist of Rod Stewart's. Songs. He's um he's sold hundred and twenty million plus uh, albums. Wow, numerous number ones. I for me, if you're gonna listen, if you're gonna like divide his career up into like Cool Rod and post like even the Cool Rod Stewart albums, I don't adore. Like mm. I think I prefer the faces maybe to his like apparently like decent solo albums. So you've listened to whole Rod Stewart albums? Yeah. Like- Definitely have not. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so I, I, I've, I've before, previously, and uh, I've tried to check out what Stuart when I know it's going to see him live. I thought maybe there's more to him than just you know the 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 big singles of the '80s. And uh, he's got some moments. I quite like Young Kurt, Young Turks even is a mm-hmm. banger. But his his apparently cool era is not for me. I think it's, it's I think it's other '60s acts that you. Who do it better? But, but did you actually enjoy him live, or was uh, it, it was a parody? Because it's us him with you no know, loads of like gorgeous blonde backing singers and dancers mm. and stuff. So that that was you know that was fun, but it was you knew that you're watching a weaker version of Wall Street. If it's Wall Street circa 1985, the the high kicks and everything, it would be brilliant. But 2017. Mm. It felt a bit weak, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not his fault. So he's he's in the seventies, so you know mm-hmm. you can. Um, 
so yeah possibly a little bit overrated for me um paula what are, you, what are your thoughts yeah he's like Crudays are definitely over definitely <laughs> <laughs> but you know the one thing i'd say is he's he's done a few good like hits a few bangers mm-hmm. in his time and he's done a few good ballads but yeah overrated what are your what are your favorite songs by Roger Stewart then? Because it sounds like it's, they're not on this playlist. <laughs> um, like sailing, I've got memories of being a kid, uh, going on. I think it was we went on a boat over on the over to the Isle of Wight or something, and they were playing sailing mm. um, on the over on the Tannoy. It was like really cheesy, um, but it's one of those things that if I hear that song, that I'm I have that memory of. I must have only been about. I don't know about about four or five years old, going over, being on this boat and hearing sailing. You know, so it's like with a lot of a lot of songs that you that are tied to memories. Mm. You know, you hear a song and you're immediately transported back to a time by boat, yeah, (laughs) or ferry. (laughs) Apparently, popular during the Falklands uh, for the UK army sailing. Apparently, didn't this is a a little fact? Did you know that? Robert, well, I, I assume Paul did, um, but Robert Palmer sang Some Guys Have All the Luck before Rod Stewart did. And then when uh, Robert Palmer died, Rod Stewart would sing his version and he'd get his backing dancers to, to dress up as the uh, the girls from Addicted uh, to Love. <laughs> Shame on you, Rod. Shame on you. <laughs> but there you go. So, just like uh, Rod is overrated, guys. Hey, podcast lovers. Now available, a new podcast experience featuring exclusive miniseries like Food Faves and all new series that takes a fun look at everyone's real first true love, food. Milky Way Marvels, a lighthearted astronomy series where we explore the fascinating wonders of our galaxy. Pop culture icons, an entertaining, nostalgic look back at various nouns in popular culture, plus more. Relax, enjoy. Listen, laugh, and maybe even learn. Podcast presented by Sonic Embassy. Now streaming everywhere you listen. Access quick links to your favorite places to listen now at solo.to slash Sonic Embassy. Underrated. Robert Palmer, Paula, your underrated choice. Can you tell us why you've chosen Robert Palmer? Well, where to begin? Where to begin? Um, yeah, he's just like been my major love, I suppose, since uh, since I was about 15 years old. Yeah, just everything. He's so eclectic. He literally ticks so many boxes. I mean, I know we're kind of talking about the British blue eyed soul, but he's literally covered every genre you can possibly think of, be it rock, pop, blues, reggae, jazz, easy listening, funk. He's literally done everything um over the well he he did everything over the the space of his career um and yeah he's just he's just got one of those voices you know one of those for me listening to any music the voice has to click um there has to be a connection if i don't get that connection immediately then i'll kind of it's kind of put to one side and i'll move on to the next thing i'll try mm-hmm. and find something else but robert has been a yeah he's been a a fixture Let's say since I was uh, since I was in my teens. So, uh, what was yeah. what was the song that you, um, you discovered him with? Uh, it was a track called "She Makes My Day." Oh, yep. Uh, that was the that was a track that that kind of 
it clicked for me. And obviously he had all these big hits prior to that, Addicted to Love and, you know, all these um, Simply Resistible and all these huge, huge tracks didn't mean to turn you on. And uh, yeah, I don't know. As I said, something I, I heard it and it something just clicked in my brain and that was it. Um, and kind of since then, I've literally uh, I just collect. Uh, I'm I'm a collector <laughs> and I collect everything from it can be like weird Spanish seven inch singles. It can be Australian picture discs. You know, I'm a, I'm a collector. So you, you, you do what you got to do when you uh, when you collect a, a particular artist. So with Rod Stewart, also we had different periods and I guess um, Robert's biggest period would be the mid 80s. But is there a certain era which you liked the most for Robert? Or like was his 80s stuff the best stuff or was his, his early like soul uh, tracks? Well, you? that's a controversial question. I, in my opinion, his best era was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of mid to late 70s was his, for me, his golden era. Um, the 80s was kind of where he got most of his recognition, obviously, when the Riptide album came out and Addicted to Love was released. Um, it just kind of, it took him to a new level. But before that, he was doing his own thing. He was with all these other different bands um, and he kind of, you know, he was trying to carve a niche for himself. And then when he went solo in 74, he kind of had the freedom to to do his own thing. And yeah, I, I, in my opinion, his stuff from the, the mid to late 70s is, is, is his best is his best work. Babs, what, what did you know about Robert Palmer? So I thought I only knew him as the addicted to love man, mm-hmm. of course, with the iconic video. I'd forgotten about Dr. Dr. Give Me the News, Bad Case of Loving You. But Fran, I had forgotten, of course, he was in Power Station, which is the whole reason this podcast yes. exists, if you want to explain. Back in lockdown 2020, when everyone wanted to have a, have a podcast, were bored of, out of their minds, I decided I would try one. And I thought, I want to be unique. As a Duran Duran fan, a lot of people are, are unaware that they're one of the only bands in the world to have split up to make two solo projects and then reform afterwards. It's a bizarre thing. I don't think anyone's ever done before. So we had a podcast where I asked people to listen to Arcadia and Power Station, and then we'd have a chat about both solo projects, well, sorry, both side projects, and decide which is better, Arcadia or Power Station. And Babs was one of my early guests. And from that podcast, we realised, hey, we should work together, but my idea about Arcadia Power Station is so fucking nice and all that I've listened to it. So therefore, <laughs> we created this podcast. Wow. That is the kind of thing we should release as Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> the early uh, tapes. The Arcadia yeah. Power Station War. But yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, Paula, I mean, are you a fan of Power Station or do you think that's kind of by the by for Robert Bahama? No, no. I mean, um, I'm very, very loyal to my, my bands I follow. Um, basically Robert if Robert sings on something then I'm there I'm <laughs> I'm listening to it uh his stuff at the power station was incredible and he's obviously got that rock presence again another facet that he could go and do this stuff with the power station to get it on yeah again it was just it was like a natural it felt like a natural thing and obviously he had that connection with the uh Duran boys as well yeah so um I because I'd forgotten that um he was in Power Station. Uh, I texted my dad because my mum, who who's passed away, she was a huge Duran Duran fan. And I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, dad, today I'm recording Power Station. Do you know them? And he was like, do I know them? <laughs> my God, for one or two years, I had nothing else. Don't forget that John Taylor was the leader or something. Um, so I was like, OK, clearly. And, and my mum was obsessed with John Taylor. My dad sent, I can show you this many emojis 
this many heart emojis <laughs> to represent the love that my mum had for John Taylor. But was John Taylor even in it or was it Andy yeah, Taylor? Both. So it's okay, Andy, both. Okay, good. And in John, yeah. Okay, so Paolo, you're correct. Um, so yeah, I, I feel once once I found that out, I'm like, this man is a mystery man. I had no idea that he was British. I had no idea that he died back in 2003. In my mind, I was like, oh, he must still be be around somewhere. Um, when I saw Blue Eyed Soul, I was confused because obviously I only knew Addicted to Love. And I mean, Paula, you must have a lot of vinyl because he has 14 <laughs> studio albums alone. Uh, and it's interesting because really, apart from Addicted to Love and Doctor Doctor or Bad Case of Loving You, I really didn't know anything you know but yeah you've mentioned some of the songs if I didn't mean to turn you on simply irresistible to my knowledge I've never heard them uh and coming into this I thought this guy definitely has a has a great voice he has a he's a hottie like he is a hottie he's not my kind of guy I will get into why <laughs> later on but uh he's a handsome man of the time um so I'm not surprised that you as a teenager Porter fell for him I think I, I probably would have so yeah so I I was like okay this man clearly has more strings to his bow than than I realized I'd never knowingly gone into his back catalogue so I was really keen to get stuck in what about you Fran I knew the 80s hits um simply irresistible addicted to love the UB40 cover and then Power Station. I just thought of them to be a, a bit like uh, a lesser known Brian Ferry. But yeah, I, I was completely unaware of um, his pre Power Station years. And then when a, a, a pop band called Placebo brought out a covers album, they covered Johnny and Mary. And I was like, why the fuck have they done that Renault Clear advert? Because that's all I know it was in the UK. That is the theme to the Renault Clear advert. And then I heard his original. I thought, oh fuck me, he has other songs before Addicted to Love. So I knew <laughs> I knew he had a, a new wave, Robert Palmer, but I didn't know really about his like his uh soul 70s era. And um on the playlist was the first time I've I've heard uh, three of your songs. So um so yeah, explain your, your choices, Paula, on, on the playlist for us. I'm I'm trying to educate as as well as (laughs) I'm trying to educate people. That's the thing. It it pains me so much that he's not more appreciated. Mm -hmm. You know, it just it just breaks breaks my heart that he's not as appreciated as you know your Brian Ferries and your Rod Stewart's and yeah you know these guys that are playing stadiums now. Um, And that he should you know if he was still with us he'd be doing all he'd be playing stadiums and stuff. So there's there's that kind of there's that little tinge of sadness. You know that he's not here anymore, um, but yeah, the, I suppose the tracks I chose um, were kind of they kind of span his first solo album um, and kind of go through to um, to Riptide purely because uh, you know I, I was trying to look for tracks that I think are underrated um, and you know that deserve a bit more love than they get possibly, and you know as I said, it it kills me that people are not more not more educated that this guy uh, lived lived among us. Well, educate us, Paula. What's your what's your first <laughs> pick? <laughs> okay, so my first pick is the title track from uh, from Robert's uh, solo first solo release. Um, so basically, he he when he was a kid when he was a teenager, he was in all these um, these other bands. He was in Vinegar Joe. Uh, he was with the Alan Bound for a little while. Uh, a group called Dada. Um, so when he was with Vinegar Joe with Elkie Brooks, um, he decided to go and do his own thing. And Sneaking Sally Through the Alley was released in 1974. I was still like a little little twinkle in my mother's eye uh, at the time. 
but uh, as debut solo albums go, it's, you know, it's up there. Um, and it's cover, such a striking cover as well. Uh, check it out if you haven't, if you haven't checked it out already. But uh, yeah, the track I chose was the, the, yeah, the title track, Sneaking Sally Through the Alley. So Fran, did you know, no, you said you didn't know this song, did you? No, not at all. Um, it's just, so what I've also forgotten about was like in the 60s and 70s, you could just be a singer, couldn't you? Like these days, everyone has to be a songwriter. But back then, if you were a good singer, then people would write for you. And I guess a lot of songs by Rod Stewart and um, Robert Palmer are other people's songs, aren't they? Including this was written by is Alan Toussaint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wonder before MTV if people knew if it's American or Black or because, like, this could be, you know, Sly and the Family of Stone. It could be, you know, it's got James Brown vibes. So, but I, I don't know if, if, if people were shocked when they first saw him. I, I read an interview with uh, Steve Van Sant, the, uh, the guitar player, saying that in 1969, his mate ran in and goes, Rod Stewart's white. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm like, what? Yeah, like, but yeah, because people just didn't know. And if you had like a, I guess a, a gruff, rough, you no, know, a voice, you know, it could be like a a, a black soul singer, or blues singer. So, um, be interesting to know what people's reactions when they first saw um, Robert Palmer. But yeah, is this about is about Dr. John sneaking Sally Kate behind the back of his wife Christina? Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's got kind of like a Rolling Stones feel i guess it's got similar influences um but yeah it's a i think it was a, a good introduction um babs yeah i was really surprised i was like oh it's kind of funky and bluesy and there's some synths when um when the initial vocals on the violin came in i was a little bit less impressed uh but that by the i'm calling it the harmonica slash guitar solo because i couldn't mm-hmm, really figure mm-hmm. out what it was i was like this is very interesting again almost led zeppelin like and i needed a few listens i still feel like i haven't got a handle on the song, I like it, but I feel like I'm going to like it more on repeated listens and I need a bit more more time with it. But yeah, this really surprised me. I would have never associated Robert Palmer with, with this kind of sound at all. Yeah, as I said, his, his stuff from the 70s is, is very, very different to what he's known for. You know, the, like, as I said, Addicted to Love, if you, you, people that would generally know him for that would be quite surprised, like yourselves, listening to his debut album, which is totally different. Yeah, so what I mean, it, it's like uh, it's reminding me, and I, I think I'm going to mention them again later. But the fact that the Stranglers are known for Golden Brown, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. that is only scratching the surface there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did. I didn't know this was written by someone else because I think the songs later on, I think it is him that writes it, and, and Johnny mm-hmm. O'Mary, he is the sole songwriter. So, so yeah, a very interesting uh, introduction to Robert Palmer. What is interesting is, is that he didn't have much commercial success, did he, in the seventies? And it's, it's interesting how record labels just were still back an artist. Like these days, that album had been dropped, wouldn't he? If you if you don't sell, if you're not in the top hundred. It's, mm. it's game over but he also seemed to have a you know island records obviously backed him so i think you know it's maybe three or four years later when he had his first like kind of hit wasn't it really but what's your next track so the next track i chose is called which of us is the fool uh, and it's taken from his pressure drop album which came out in 1975 again it's a it's another facet to to robert this is the one with the with the bomb ladies bomb on the on the cover <laughs> that you're so fun that you're so fond of um, and there's yeah the Robert with a, a nice big nice big seventies collar going on as well on the on the sleeve um, yeah so he was quite famed for working with Lit- Little Feet the, the the quite quite a famous band Little Feet uh, and he worked quite a lot with them um, during the seventies 
Uh, and the title track is the uh, cover version of the Toots and the Matals that you might, that a lot of people might know. The Pressure Drop song has been covered so many times. But Which of Us is the Fool? It's just one of those songs that I can listen to over and over and over again. And that's the beauty. I, thought, I suppose that's the beauty of his, a lot of his tracks that, I don't know. I don't know whether it's just because I, I love his stuff so much that I don't tire, I never tire of, uh, you know, sometimes you get a bit of fatigue listening to albums and you're like you listen to an album so much that you're mm. kind of like oh you know I, I need a break I need a break from this album um but yeah no I've never found that um and I tend to I'm very much a stickler for albums in that uh an album's track list is an album's track list I hate all this shuffle business mm-hmm. you get on Spotify and you know even on the iPod and stuff you get all this shuffle stuff you know the tracks were put in that order for a reason <laughs> but uh yeah no an absolute classic uh classic of a tune and he's quite prolific do you know what i mean he was banging out albums in the 70s like every, every one a year one every couple of years um during the 70s so yeah do you know if he was doing like world tours was he not ready for that because he hadn't had many many hits around the world yet yeah i mean i suppose later in his career he was touring like he always said that he he didn't like having days off. Mm-hmm. Basically, his his touring crew hated him because he just wanted to. <laughs> all he wanted to do was do was perform live, um, and so they'd they he'd kind of rest when he thought they needed to rest. But you know, if he had the choice, he would just go out and play live um, as as often as possible. I really like the song. Um, I, I love the backing vocals. The the rhythms, the strings, it, it, it sounds like late 60s soul, I guess. You know, he wears his influences on, on the sleeve, like Sam and Dave kind of feel. Yeah, this is not a side I was aware of. I kind of thought he would be more of the the funk and the rock. But yeah, this is a, a, a more chilled, melodic, soulful Robert Palmer. And yeah, I yeah I really enjoyed it. Babs, what's your thoughts? So it's been great that we've been getting along so well. I'm now going to dive dramatically. I, this is exactly the kind of song I was dreading. I think it's a croony middle of the road ballad. I really dislike this song. For me, the only redeeming feature was the bass line. So when you were saying Paula that you listened to it over and over again, I was like, I listened to this twice and, and, and that, was, <laughs> an, that was enough. You know, once the song and, and once with the very stylish music video, I have to say the, mu- the music video is, is very nice because it's it's him with a kind of unsatisfied woman in red and then they go back to their house and, and he's on the TV and, and looking out the window wistfully and I, very much enjoyed the YouTube comment from a, I'm guessing a lady called Zaina Idara going, his hair is pure magic, you know, heart eyes emojis, <laughs> which is is very true. But I was like, oh no, this is exactly the kind of blue eyed soul that I was dreading and easily my least favorite on the on the playlist. I, I did not, I much preferred bluesier, you know, 1974 Robert to, to this Robert. Oh, I just, it just really grated this, this, I put the strings, harmonies, panpipes, really great on me. <laughs> I love a string. Love a string. I, you know, I think Paula, you were talking about violin. Like I, I played the violin for for ages, so I know when a violin sounds bad because I played it very badly for a very long time. I like a violin when it's well placed. I, I think maybe Fran, I am mm. with violins like you are with horns. When it's well placed, I like it, but mm-hmm. when it's not, it really irritates me. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, on this song, which I said is my least favorite, so you know this. You know, hopefully from here on up. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't enjoy this apart from the video and the baseline. So what's your next pick, Paula? Oh, my goodness. Um, so the next track was was slightly better known, uh, Looking for Clues. Uh, it came from the album Clues, 
uh, which came out in 1980. It was it had a bit more of a, a was and again a slightly another facet to uh, to Robert's Robert's work, um, slightly rockier, a bit more sort of new waves and synths and stuff coming in. Um, it peaked at 59 on the Billboard pop charts. I don't know, there was a lot of competition then. There were all these like new romantics and things. I don't know. Uh, and the track I chose was Looking for Clues from Clues. And yeah, I don't know if you've seen the video. The video is kind of cringy, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's great. There's a bit of glockenspiel in there as well. And, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes for me. Well, people are saying that Big stole the, the, the piano sequence from uh, this video. Not surprised, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is much more up my street. Thank you, Paul, for bringing it back. Great synths, great bass. I really like his much sultrier vocals. Like he, the man has a great voice. You mentioned it before, but his voice is sexy. It's versatile. He has range. His voice, one hundred percent underrated. Uh, I think just on on addicted to love alone, very underrated. And I. I love the random xylophone and watching the music video where he's literally dancing on it. Like I, I really enjoyed how number one, how eighties it was where he's got his little vest and his like kind of converse white high top starting and how literal it is where it's like, I'm frightened by the sound of a telephone. And then there's a telephone. <laughs> Things happen. Um, and yeah, I, I thought, you know, knowing that I really only knew Addicted to Love and maybe a few others. I thought I was like, okay, this is a much more natural bedfellow though to that. But it was released five years before. And the fact that it was released in 1980, I'm like, this is actually quite ahead of its time. And but yeah, the video felt pure 80s, kind of talking heads-esque as well. And yeah, I, I was surprised to see those influences. So yeah, thank you, Paula. I, I saved this song to my library for sure. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I definitely heard uh talking heads feel also. It reminds me a bit of uh, Paul McCartney. Apparently, yeah, this was too avant-garde for Americans to understand, so this was more of a hit in the UK. Apparently, it's the only track to stay at number 33 for five weeks in a row. That's as hard as I got to. Love, love these facts. <laughs> love these facts. That should be a record in itself. Yeah, but so people are saying that um, it's, 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 it's about searching for a relationship, looking for clues. Does a girl like me? Is that, is that the vibe of it? Babs, did you find out what his dad did for a living? I did not. What's the, what's the link there? His dad was a spy for the UK. This is why he lived around the world. Like he grew up in like Malta and places. Oh, this okay. is like well, really that. random. Because yeah, he's from Yorkshire, which I'm like, I, I get like with Rod Stewart, mm. I kind of forget that he's British and from Yorkshire, especially. I read that he lived in Malta and then went back to Yorkshire. So yeah, Paula, what does he sound like when he speaks? Is it kind of mid-Atlantic or no, is there a bit he, of Northern he, in him yet? He's still got that. He still had that Northern twang. Good man. Good man. Oh, man. Yeah, with, with that hair and that northern twang. Oh. That Yorkshire, Yorkshire. Oh, I can see it. I can see it. I love some northern men, not all. <laughs> yeah, you need to listen to some of the some of the interviews he did, and it's just wow. Paula, what's what's the next one? Yeah, so I thought you know I had to chuck this one in. It's "Addicted to Love" um, from the Riptide album that came out in '85. Um, yeah, and it kind of it kind of took him to a whole new level. Um, the track he he dreamt it. The the the, the the tune um, and some of the lyrics he dreamt, it, they came to him in a dream. Uh, and he always slept with a dictaphone beside the bed. And he woke up in the middle of the night with this, with this tune in his head and kind of mumbled it into, mumbled it into the dictaphone. And, you know, like, obviously you don't, usually you wake up, you don't remember, you know, you might've had the most vivid dream, but you'll wake up, you don't remember anything about a dream. And so he had this sort of mumbled, 
tune that became addicted to love um eventually so you know they say good things come in dreams sometimes but it's just, yeah it's just one of those songs that it took him to another level like the the video i think is it's one it's probably one of the most parodied videos mm-hmm. of all time so many people um have parodied it parodied it um you know people dress up for fancy dress um as robert and the 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 girls um but it was just yeah i mean i kind of it was a bit again it was a bit of a departure for him because before he was he would have been wearing t-shirts and jeans um and you know trousers and stuff and then kind of he went into this suited look yeah it was just it was just took him to this whole another level and mtv obviously was was a baby was a baby around the, the time of uh, when addicted to love was released and it yeah it was you know one of the biggest mtv videos of all time what what, what are your thoughts on the, on the video in 2022 <laughs> you know my my opinion of the video hasn't changed at all um, I mean, he's not, it's not as if he's standing there leching, you know, mm-hmm. he's not, he's not leching at the girls, he's singing and they're dancing around in the back. So I guess, you know, it's not, I guess it wasn't his idea, I guess it's the director. And then in the same period, Irresistible, they kind of do the same, the same thing again, don't they? Yeah, uh, it was directed by the same guy, Terrence mm-hmm. Donovan, and he kind of, there's a bit of a theme running between the, the tracks that were released around that time, obviously. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to turn you on is a, a, a very similar vibe. Simply Resistible was a very similar vibe, but um, yeah, I can I can see a little bit why people think he could be seen as maybe a tiny bit sexist. I'm mainly offended by how bad they are at miming. Like, no, the person well, playing the drums. Come about, on, at least try. Um, so I read somewhere that it was like a musician tried to teach him basic fingering techniques and gave up after an hour and a half. <laughs> the drumming is amazing. Oh, <laughs> that's the easiest thing to do. But <laughs> I, I, I like the the vibe, like especially the is it the bassist or the guitarist at the front? She's she's going for it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. The, the big question is, um, Paula, is that a lot of people said that he stole the Parastasin sound for Riptide, and he says it was his sound. But I was listening to his albums previous, and I can't hear that sound before this album. So you'd think that he did borrow the Parastasin sound for this? No. <laughs> no, no. So you're in the in the Palmer camp. No, I mean I'm in I'm in total well, I won't call it denial, but you know. Um and yeah, Andy Taylor from Duran Duran plays guitar on this. And it's produced by Bernard Edwards, the um chic bassist and the Patterson producer. Um yeah, I mean it's, it's a great song. I, I think I always thought this was like the sexy cousin to Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer. <laughs> Because it's got a similar like rhythms and brass, and also having that big MTV music video. So I was for some reason sort of linked them together. I guess he's also wearing a suit, isn't he? Um, instead of hammer, the same sort of black and white suit thing. So yeah, yeah. That's where my, that's where my, my mind went to. But yeah, I did sort of. It's a great. It's a it's a great eighties track, isn't it? It's, it's undeniably um, a great pop song. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. I think it might be overplayed, but that doesn't bother me. Mm. Uh, he's he's got this. I put almost growls. Uh, he's really great. Like you really feel that he's feeling the song and and the range, like the highs and the lows are, are really good. I quite like the the heavy guitars. Did not know it was Andy Taylor from Duran Duran until literally today. Um, <laughs> the heavy guitars matched with the I've put brackets synth horns. Are they synth horns? Are they horns? I don't know. It works really well, and I really like how you know at key points it just pairs it down and it's just his voice or him harmonizing with himself you know all the instruments get taken away i've i've put this might be controversial i've put this is as good as good in excess 
but not as good as their best. That's Ooh. that's what it reminded me of. Uh, you know, I think uh, Need You Tonight or something like that is, you know, from the same era is is better, but I'm happy to be proved wrong, Porter, with a, with a further playlist. And I was very interested to read, number one, that this was originally intended to be a duet with Chaka Khan. Mm. <laughs> um, the song was made without her because the record company wouldn't grant her release, but she's still credited. And that Noddy Holder from Slade said that <laughs> this was the main track he wished he'd written himself. He said it's a perfect pop song. So, uh, so yeah, but, and, you know, it was fun to rewatch the video because it's like, you, you think you know it, but I'd forgotten, A, how pure 80s yuppie he looks, like he could have been in Wall Street. I'd forgotten that it was that simple. Like it literally is just him and five women in front of the screen. There's no variety in that. They're all kind of very squished together, I have to say. But yeah, I, I've got the whole list of, of who's parodied it. Weird Al Yankovic, Stardust, Mr. Blobby, Tone Locke, Shania Twain, Shakira, Paula Abdul, De Prinson, Luca Carboni. Like it is an iconic music video. And I think that adds to it. You know, I, 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 I think it definitely enhances it, but listening to, to the song just by itself and kind of analyzing it in that way, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great pop song. It's a great mix of instruments and what a voice, what a voice. Yeah, I suppose the only thing that really pains me is that it's the song he's best known for. You know, if someone says to you, Robert Palmer, you think, oh, Addicted to Love, and you yeah. don't think of his all his other amazing stuff. You know, it's I suppose it's the same with a lot of bands, a lot of artists. They're known for one particular, they could be known for one particular track, like Rod. Yeah, Rod's it's, often it's, if he's sexy. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And it's quite interesting looking at the, um, the views on his videos, because with, with this song and the next one that you've picked, there's quite high views. Mm. But I think on the Looking for Clues music video, it was only like 350,000. Something I'm like that is quite a drop off from from the others. So yeah, I, I totally understand that. If you're a, if you're a fan of a an artist or a band and they're only known for one or two that is not totally representative of their sound, it's it's frustrating. I think it'd be interesting talking talking to an American because in the UK even Parasites has never played. Like if I wasn't a Duran Duran fan, I would have no idea Parasites ever existed. You never hear something like a hot on the radio in the UK. I think that was a massive hit in America. So mm. I think that's what boosted them. But yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't know anything. I, I had not heard of Power Station in France until mm. you contacted me on Facebook and asked me to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, okay, dear. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but in America, like, oh yeah, Power Station was like, was, was, yeah. was, was a massive hit. For, and that's yeah. basic. And some of the bomb records that, you know, that basically saved his career. So what's your final track, Paula? Yeah, the final track I chose was another kind of vaguely well-known track, uh, again, taken from the Clues album, uh, Johnny and Mary. Um, a lot of people obviously know this, as you say, from the Renault Clio ad, uh, know the tune from it, and it's been covered uh, by a few people. Brian Ferry did a cover oh. uh, a couple of years ago, but I'm such a purist. I can't listen to any, like my favourite bands, if people do covers, I can't, I just can't, <laughs> I just can't you know um i i hate covers of um songs even it could be my favorite song but i won't listen to a song by one of my favorite artists done by covered by somebody else um i mean even you know rod's version of some guys you know i'm like no i can't <laughs> i can't do it I'm what really if sure. um divine comedy covered a robert palmer song i couldn't no i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> we might we might go into the divine comedy uh my divine comedy fixation um, <laughs> but uh yeah johnny and mary uh again the the video was huge um quite an iconic video uh him as a, a writer a typewriter and some weird guy and woman dancing in the background it literally it looks like he's some kind of private detective and yeah, they're doing yeah, some yeah. interpretive dancing it's very strange <laughs> yeah. 
little weird videos from around that era. But it's just one of those songs, again, that I can listen to. Um, and that beginning little keyboard, again, it's one of those tracks that you hear the first couple of notes and you know immediately that it's Johnny and Mary. Well, maybe that's just me um, as, as a fan. Um, but, yeah, I like to think that people would recognise the song. And obviously the people have grown up hearing the, the Renault Clio and seeing the Renault Clio ad in all its different shapes and forms. Um, and we had, yeah, Vic and Bob. Uh, I don't know if you remember the, the Vic and Bob, uh, Nicole and Papa mm-hmm. uh, ads from b- back in the day. So that kind of t- tied together my two loves in the 90s. Uh, Vic and Bob have been a huge uh, influence on me um, comedy, comedy-wise. Um, they kind of, I don't know, they're like a bit of a, a, a cornerstone for you know, for a lot of a lot of the comedians that I would like would have a connection to to Vic and Bob. You can kind of tie back, um, tie back connections to them, uh, and people have them as influences. And yeah, so it was nice, you know, people getting to know Robert's music, maybe in a very very loose way, through this tune. Uh, I mean, you know, kind of it's a bit how I how I discovered the Divine Comedy was through Father Ted. Mm-hmm. hearing the theme tune to father ted and then going oh who the oh i really like this tune who is it and then you go you, you go down this rabbit hole and you look and you're trying to find out oh who's this guy and it you know worse that's how it happened with the divine comedy thing that it took me down this this 30 year rabbit hole <laughs> in a time where you know people have discovered kate bush and metallica through stranger things who gives a fuck how you discover a band right exactly, like exactly. you know if you discover it like i discovered sonic youth by shazamming a gilmore girls episode you know like that's not i i think maybe how they would prefer it but uh but yeah but i mean fran i presume you knew this song before yeah so the first time i heard it was placebo I know. Yeah. Same. I, I, I've been looking at Wikipedia. This wasn't even really a hit in the UK. I think it was number one in Spain, but everywhere else it wasn't really a hit at all. Um, so that's why I knew it from the, the advert. <laughs> and then, and but sadly, because I've heard Placebo first, to me, this sounds like the cover of Placebo in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know it's strange. But, um, so he says it's about political behaviour of the Bahama government. What? But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else is like, surely this it's, is an, I, unha- an, a relationship, I, I, an unhappy relationship. A restless couple is what yeah. I wrote down. Yeah, but <laughs> he, he reckons it's... You know? <laughs> there you go. So is he lying? Is it about political government? Who knows? But um, I like it, but I think because his vocal is the same melody as the keyboard, it it, it becomes a bit repetitive after a while. I think it'd be nice if, he, if it had different melodies in it, so it becomes a bit true of like a, a, a one-note affair. So I like it, but I don't I don't love it, but it's nice to hear. As a big fan of like the new romantic and new wave scene, I do. I should maybe listen to this album more because I like um, Chris Francis from Talking Head, and I like I like Gary Newman. So this may be a period that I I go back and, and check out. Would you say this is one of his best albums? Looking for clues? Um, I'd like to say so. Uh, I mean, um, I suppose if I had to double fun, I mean, I, this as you say, it's really so many albums. It was so hard. Mm. So hard for me to whittle down to to five songs. Um, you know, it's like, you know, even choosing, if someone said to you, choose your favourite song from an album, sometimes even that is so, so mm-hmm. hard. You know, you could you could at least pick. It's It would be easier to say which song on the album that you don't like. I, I knew this from the Placebo song. And I was like, oh, is this a Robert Palmer original? I would have guessed 
Serge Gansburg in English. And I was like, is that maybe because they did the Ballad of Melody Nelson on the same album? Mm. And that's why. And yeah, Paula, this is a song where I was like, oh, it kind of sounds a bit like the Stranglers because there's this keyboard in the mix. I think it's Robert Palmer at his sexiest voice, definitely. But like you, Fran, I think the main vocal line is quite annoying. And I think it's quite in part because it matches the keyboard. Mm. The na 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 um, It doesn't, I, yeah. I mean, it's about, I've put, it's about a restless couple or the Baham, Bahamian political situation, who knows? So if, if, if it's about tension, then you definitely feel the tension. But it's that that vocal line really lets it down for me. Um, I have to say, I, I would prefer something a bit different vocal wise. But you know, thankfully he's sexy enough to to get away with it. And uh, and yeah, I think like with looking for clues, what a literal music video because it's literally like Johnny is running around and Johnny is running around. Mary is counting the walls. She is counting. And I'm like, I look because that's that's how my brain works. So I'm like, oh, it's as if I I would be like <laughs> the creator for this. And yeah, I think because Robert Palmer is so kind of handsome and he's there looking for the private detective with all this board up paper, you know, talking into this kind of uh, old fashioned microphone. And then this kind of mime artist, it's quite, it's quite a contrast and I, I enjoyed it, but I'm kind of not surprised that it wasn't as big as it was because it is weird. Like it, it is quite weird, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, this was one where it seems like he is the main songwriter on it. The no one else kind of co-writing with him and yeah I, I enjoyed learning that fact but yeah I, I I have to say this is one of my my lesser favorites on the I, I much prefer looking for clues uh than this so we asked a question let's ask the question overrated uh, or underrated friend <laughs> <laughs> as a UK citizen I would say that he's underrated because he is more than one song and even like the big hits we mentioned in the 80s like you don't hear those really played anymore do you Paula um yeah. So um, growing up in the you know in the late eighties, you would hear his other hits, and they've completely vanished from like the media for some bizarre reason that I don't know why. So I think it's sad that he doesn't get played more than he is, and people don't seem to be mentioning him or covering his songs. He kind of is like a forgotten artist. So I think he's due to have a new. Do you do both of you think that that might be due in part to his untimely death? So he he died aged only fifty four in two thousand and three of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Paula, like he would probably be doing some reunion shows. That, that was a long time. That was almost 20 years ago. I honestly, yeah. like I, I had no idea even. So yeah. Do you think that's part of the reason why he isn't better known? Yeah. I'd say that's the the, the key reason um, probably. Um, but oh, I'm not going to go down the, I'm not going to go down the, the Bowie, uh, the Bowie route of, you know, that I see on the anniversary of Bowie that, you know, he's so, revered and he's so oh my god Bowie oh you know all this kind of stuff but then Robert is kind of like oh you know <laughs> mm. <laughs> whatever and I, 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 I just get really sad I, I think really sad. people are quite dismissive of acts that they think are one-hit wonders right and like I said I if someone had asked me Robert Palmer I was like oh yeah Dick, and I'm like no no I definitely do know other songs by him but didn't realize it was him I guess because in the 80s, he did sound like similar acts in the 80s, as we mentioned. Like for me, I, I did get a lot of in excess from, from him and, and obviously the Duran Duran and the Power Station influence. I think this playlist definitely threw up surprises. For me, sneaking Sally through the alley and looking for these were huge surprises. I would have never guessed that he had, you know, something so bluesy and something so avant-garde. But from this playlist alone, I wouldn't say he's underrated just because I really didn't like which of us is the fool. And I really didn't like, well, I didn't like Johnny and Mary. However, Paula, don't. I, I think there is a five track playlist for me out there that I would like. I think with 14 solo albums with such a diverse sound, 
I, I can believe that there is a perfect five track Robert Palmer playlist out there for me. Um, even if, you know, today I'm saying I don't, I don't think he's, he's underrated. I think definitely he deserves to be better known for more than addicted to love, but I haven't got a, the vibe yet that, that he's, uh, he should be underrated. I actually haven't looked up Spotify stats for either of these artists, which is That's something me. that I normally do. So what, what are we guessing? How many monthly listeners do, do Robert Palmer and Rod Stewart have? Well, I, I saw how many plays addicted to love has had, um, but over I 123 million <laughs> which is uh which is a lot oh god hang on I, i've gone off spotify premium so now it might not it might not show me oh no here we go about so robert palmer has over 3.7 million monthly listeners yeah i'm not gonna say <laughs> he's underrated uh based on that rod stewart let's let's go and check it out i'm i'm sure that he has more 10.3 million monthly listeners wow that is overrated uh, impressive <laughs> Wow. I'm surprised about how many people have listened to things like Johnny and Mary and Steak and Sally. Like we've got 40, 47 million players for Johnny and Mary. And for a song mm. we never ever hear like on the radio or anything, that's quite, that's the, quite the video has like some, something like 6.7 million views. Mm. As well. But I wonder I wonder how much of that was placebo and then the Brian Ferry cover. And and people oh. of Spain, since it's number one in Spain. <laughs> people in Spain. <laughs> I've never heard the placebo cover. But oh, that is yeah. probably because, as I said, I, I avoid covers. So, Paula, tell us more about your podcast and your other passions. Okay, where to begin? Uh, so, yeah, the podcast uh, is called The Divine Comedians Podcast. The name basically came from my other music love, The Divine Comedy. Uh, and I, I borrowed the uh, borrowed the name of the band for my podcast. It was, um, I was doing a degree a uh, journalism degree and um, I had to make a podcast uh, but I, it was something I'd always wanted I'd always wanted to do but always felt that it was too time consuming and you know and there were all these different things that uh, kind of put a stop to it and then I had to do it basically for the degree um, and loved it and it's um, it's a labour of love is what I will call it um, it's basically me chatting with my comedy heroes um, I've got the like. I've had the, the likes of Ch- Charlie Higson on. Um, who else have I had? I've had you know a lot of um, um, Irish comedians, Ardle Hanlon, uh, guys from the Fast Show, Simon Day, um, Roland Riveron. You know guys that I would have grown up, you know, absolutely loving their their TV stuff. And it's like a weird, you know, pinch me kind of thing. You know when they agree to like getting Charlie was a Getting Charlie Higson was a total, you know, total thrill. I'm a huge Fast Show fan. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, just, you know, as, as, like Vic and Bob, like Bob would be my ultimate guest. So if anyone listening knows Bob Mortimer, I can get him from the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Bob, uh, yeah, Vic and Bob are my, uh, you know, I've, I, I talk to a lot of comedians and a lot of them, like the older ones would talk about the goons and the pythons as their... Um, you know their influences and things but people I suppose of my generation Vic and Bob would be um would be a you know a, a middle cog for a lot of people that I talked to that, that they would have influenced them they were doing at the time I know that they were kind of people have said that they were kind of doing stuff like the goons were doing back in the day but you know the whole surrealism aspect of it and it was you know as a kid it was like you'd be watching it on TV and uh, your parents would come in going, what is this? I don't, what are you even watching? What is this? 
you know, there's a guy being hit over the head with a with a fake frying pan, or someone falling over, or a guy with a stick, you know, with a wearing a big paper thing on his head. Um, and it's like it was kind of like they were talking to a. I don't know. It sounds really probably sounds really really, really weird, but it was like they were talking to like our generation. Do you know what I mean? Parents didn't get it, and that was the nice. Uh, the nice aspect of it. But where can we find you online, Paula? All over the place. Uh, oh. I'm on Mix, Mixcloud, uh, Acast, Spotify, newly on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts now. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to just trying to spread spread the net. And are, are you it, on the Twitters? It, I am on the Twitters. If yeah. you look, look me up, it's just Divine. I think it's just Divine Comedian Podcast. Are you on there personally as well, or just as as the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do. I work in radio as well, um, so I kind of I have a radio show I do every Sunday evening. Um, so it's literally it's quite nice because I can play whatever I like, um, and yeah. So I play a lot of every week. There's a Divine Comedy track and a Robert Palmer track. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Again, I'm trying. Yeah. To, I need to educate. I need to educate people um as to these amazing bands and i try and find the most kind of bizarre you know b-sides uh-huh. and weird ep tracks that you know that i can find that people wouldn't necessarily have heard if you want to check out my radio my radio stuff uh i put all the shows up every week my my tag name on mixcloud is hanancom unsurprisingly uh that that divine comedy connection h-a-n-n-o-n-c-o-m uh, yeah, and so there's there's interviews that I've done with people. Neil, the interview with Neil is on there. Um, various stuff. I do a few like red carpets, and I, I'm kind of involved with a lot of film film reviewing and a lot of pies, basically. Thank you for being on the podcast, Paula. No and worries. Thanks for asking me. Any final thoughts? Thank you for perhaps? educating us on Robert Palmer. It was going to be my my final thoughts. I yeah, I definitely. Definitely keen to to have a more open mind and and listen more. And uh, well, my final thoughts, Fran. May your tech be blessed and not cursed, like mine. May your computers not be too warm. May your motherboards be intact. Those are my final thoughts. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> until until next time, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello again. It's as I, Fran. So, you have completed another podcast, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please subscribe, follow, share. We are also on social media, so if you want to chat about anything we've discussed or any other topics, you can let us know on Twitter, which is OU Music Pod, Instagram, where we're over underrated music pod, or if you're old school, give us an email at overunderratedmusicpod at gmail.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Until then, see you next time.